every single, not every single movie, but most movies that take place in Miami have a thing in them that is so annoying to me because it's like this sign literally doesn't exist and it's the big ass sign that just says Miami in huge capital letters. I was so disappointed to find out that it did not exist because that is such a good sign. (laughs) Everybody thinks it's real and it's not and it bothers the living shit out of me and I was actually doing some like vague internet digging. I didn't do enough and I should have done more but I found out that um Transporter 2 has one that is different from the ones that Miami uh, or that um, Michael Bay has used in Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2 and um, and um, Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain. Yeah. The Miami trilogy, if you will. God help me. Um, (laughs) But like the Transporter 2 literally has its own sign that was created for that. And it's like, why did you pay all of this money to just make a big fucking sign that says Miami? on it when you could have just like put text on the screen instead like there's no other signifying markers of miami in that movie from what i can remember from ages ago i just find it so fascinating (laughs) i mean i can hazard a guess as to why why because those signs look sweet do they i think they do i think they they're they're kind of an effective uh an effective device i guess i don't know i just think it's so silly is it because Miami, beyond, like, the pristine beaches, doesn't have, like, uh, a kind of uh, architectural signifier that streams Miami? I mean, I think South Beach, in its own right, is absolutely, like, a Miami landscape. Like, it's like, um, you've seen the birdcage, right? I have. Okay, those opening shots of the birdcage with the entirety of South Beach is like, oh, you know that's fucking Miami the second you see it. It doesn't need a big-ass Miami sign. It's like, that's Miami. But that's not architectural, though, right? It's not like if you were to do a shot of, say, Montreal, and you did, if there was a shot of, like, Mount Royal or the Five Roses sign or something to, like, immediately indicate, yes, this is where it's happening. I mean, you don't think, like, the coast plus Art Deco buildings on a long drive is, like, an architectural landmark, I guess? I mean, it's not a building. I mean, it's like... It's It's not a building, but it's multiple buildings that formulate a drive. Because I guess it could be another coastal place with Art Deco buildings? I guess. Uh, Whatever. Anyway, Mm. um, I think that fake sign is stupid, and I'm glad Mm. that I've educated everyone who has never known that that was fake into knowing that, surprise, it's fake. Well, thanks for, for crushing our fun one. I love crushing filmmaking dreams. Hi, welcome to... Dim- I was about to say Dim the House Lights. Nope, wrong thing. So welcome to episode 38 of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gane, and uh, Miami's favorite fun crusher, Juan Barkeen, joins me. How's it going, Juan? Uh, pretty well. I love being called a fun crusher. I like to crush a lot of things. I bet you like to crush beer cans on your forehead like a real man. Um, I'm good. I crush those <laughs> under my foot like a real lady. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was trying to do like a meathead thing and you then you had to turn it into something else. I know, because I'm classy. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, there are, there's 37 episodes worth of evidence that points to the contrary. I... Uh, Highly disagree, but in fairness, we're going to spend this entire episode with me talking bad about people from Miami, which also includes oh. me, so... 
Oh, the Miami trilogy comes to a conclusion. What movie are we talking about today, Juan? Pain and Gain. Yes. Now, who made this movie, Juan? Um, Michael Bay, who is obviously a very divisive figure in the film community overall, and also with popular audiences who immediately have been conditioned to groan and hate his name when his name pops up on the big screen, and yet somehow they still go pay to see his movies. So I don't really understand where that derision is coming from when you're still supporting it. But whatever, anyway. The only thing that's stronger than dunking on the same dude that everyone is dunking on because you don't like their movies is nostalgia. And that's That's why people pony up and go see those movies. Now, in my, like, I was once uh, a a budding cinephile. I was once like, oh, Michael Bay, you know? But I've gotten to the point in my life where if, your shorthand for bad filmmaking is either Michael Bay or M. Night Shyamalan. I'm less inclined to put stock in what you say after that. Yeah. Uh, people who don't like M. Night are awful and wrong, and I will never let that opinion go. It's a, it's, it's just kind of a lazy sort of hot take shorthand. Yeah. And, I mean, not to say that both these guys are batting a thousand. No, clearly not very very few people do no one ever gets it 100 mm. percent. but if you take a look at a movie like pain and gain it's a loud vile vulgar piece of work and basically feeds into a lot of the things that people say about michael bay but it's also kind of a rollicking entertaining piss take of the american dream and it basically detonates a nuclear bomb right on top of the idea that the author has any kind of say in how a piece of work is received. Which author are we describing? Well, we're the, the well Michael Bay, chief among them, but also the screenwriters of this film. Okay, that's interesting. Like, like I can give two shits about whether or not Michael Bay thought he was making a loud, garish satire of kind of meathead exceptionalism. Mm-hmm. But that's how it reads on the page, and that's how I'm going to interpret it. That's fair. So, Juan, we kind of uh, that, that was kind of a pocket summary of what we thought, what we think about Michael Bay, like the cultural idea of Michael yeah. Bay. But in specific, and I'm asking you, because I've asked you this 37 times already, what is Pain and Gain about? Oh my god, what is Pain and Gain about? Well, Pain and Gain is a very Miami story to the point where it is literally based off of a three-part article in the newspaper I write for, Miami New Times. That's right, the Miami New Times. Shout out to the New Times. Yeah. Uh, Pete Collins with these stories back in the day. I know. Um, They're actually really good. I sat down to read them back around the time that the movie came out, and it was like a very long read. And they also published uh, an expose of like where these people are um, at this point in time. And uh, so the movie itself actually, like, in the opening monologue says, unfortunately, this is a true story. And frankly, I don't think it's unfortunate that it's a true story because it really, it does solidify so many qualities that I love and love to hate about Miami. The movie starts off kind of perfectly with the super orange-yellowy, a uh, speed cranked shot of the fake Miami symbol, which I think adds an extra layer to it. Um, and then you go to fucking Mark Wahlberg, uh, who is doing pull-ups on a wall. And the way he's framed, 
uh, he looks like he's a flexing bicep. Yes, it's so good. Because <laughs> there's like a mascot for a gym uh, uh, painted on the wall in a graffiti style. And there's Marky Mark doing pull-ups. And he looks like he's a flexing bicep. And then we cut to uh, GoPro footage of him yelling, I'm strong. I'm big. As he's doing the pull-up. Yep. And immediately, if you're not, if you don't know the kind of ride that you're in for, you know right off the bat what yeah. kind of ride you're in for. The movie is definitely not shameless about what it is. And it is not subtle either. No, it's certainly not. I mean, if this is a movie about the American dream, I would like to note that the American flag shows up at least eight times. And I don't <laughs> say this like you know, individual shots of the American flag. I say this as there were eight individual flags, including one of which was shorts. Um, in this oh, I must movie. have missed that. Because yeah. I, I, I made a mental note of, like, I'm really sad there's no no one in, like, uh, red, white, and blue print Zubaz or anything. Oh, no. Anthony Mackie, who plays Adrian Dorball, is wearing um, American flag shorts at one point. Yeah, respect the flag, I guess. Of course, always. So... <laughs> this movie is, uh, it's based on the true story about Daniel Lugo, who is Mark Wahlberg, and mm-hmm. he's a bodybuilder who wants to have the American dream. He wants to basically just do everything that he wants to do with uh, vast amounts of money and get, you know, all of the great things that life has promised us in this great country. He wants the shit that's coming to him. He wants the shit that's like, if you work hard and you put in the hours, you will get rewarded. And I think like the key, the key line is, I want everything you have and I want you not to have it. Yeah. Which uh, the movie is full of these kind of like pithy lines, these little amuse-bouches of ironic comedy coming out of these meatheads. And you would think that gets tiresome after a while, but it actually kind of, it's actually gas in the tank for this movie. It gets a lot of mileage out of these kind of fake deep pronouncements. No, it really does. And I mean, so there's this one bit, like now that you're saying these things, there's this one bit that actually reminded me of uh, an article I read about one of the movies he lists. But like Lugo literally says like, all my heroes are self-made. Rocky, Scarface, (laughs) all the guys from The Godfather. And like that line reads as like something that someone made up, but like, it's very likely something that someone in Miami has said because Monica Castillo actually wrote a great piece on Scarface for its anniversary where some people from Miami, and I believe this was like a cop from Miami, was talking about what a great role model uh, Scarface was for like all of the same reasons of like that, you know, he came from nothing and became this like great big man. And I'm just like, oh my God, you lack all self-awareness. It's so goofy. But, like, it's real. Like, No, no, that, I mean, that's the thing. I think that's the key to this film. It is ridiculous and vulgar and just petulant and nasty. But it's all real. Yeah, like, it's awful, but these people all exist. Like, this yeah. is the most apt depiction of Biscayne Boulevard. And not necessarily Miami Beach, because I know a lot of people lean into that. But, like, no, this is literally, like, Biscayne in a nutshell. Now, uh, I'm not from Miami. I don't know what Biscayne is, but I'm assuming it's like a neighborhood or um, a part of town. So Biscayne Boulevard is this long, long, long street along the coast. Sure. Um, it has like the American Airline Arena. It has like hotels, a big park, and it like cuts through to like 
there's obviously like some richer neighborhoods, some poorer neighborhoods, but it runs all along the coast of like Miami and it's um a lot of the buildings and the places that you see in the movie are on Biscayne. So all okay. of the everything. <laughs> Pretty much everything, which actually I still cannot get over the fact that they changed this art or arts organization that I actually ran an event at this year uh, into a loan bank, which just cracked me up because it's like it's actually like a lot of these places are real places that you're seeing in the movie. And it hacks. I complain a lot about geography in movies about Miami or TV shows about Miami and also about like more importantly, public transportation because it's fake and barely exists in this city. Yeah, I remember you had a take about the buses in Moonlight. Uh, yeah. I mean, I still, like, it's like he gets to the beach too easily at one point, but, like, that was my sole complaint. You're not just a fun crusher, you're a nitpicker. No, I mean, I just, it's like, it's like how people in New York are always like, that street doesn't exist, and I'm just like, okay, congrats. It's a theater of the mind, baby, it doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, but this movie actually has some pretty good geography. Okay. Uh, and it actually shows people constantly driving in cars, so that's that's also true. Do um, they drive all, like, shitty sports cars from the early 90s? I mean, yeah, that's Biscayne Boulevard, pretty much. <laughs> um, it's like people who think that they're, you know, cool or are trying to pull off being cool. That's what, that's who they are. So porn magnates and people who want to be porn magnates. Absolutely. That's, I mean, let's be real. Miami has been a town. Miami is one big hustle after the next. And I think that's what this movie does. So, and it's what this story, this actual fucking story shows so well. It's like people just trying to fucking pull one big job until they get what they want. And then it's like, oh, well, I, Maybe I didn't get what I want. Let's try this again. <laughs> it's, like, it's almost as if Miami had a lot of vice in it. Wow. About, you know, I wish there was... Nailed anyway. it. Nailed it, Derek. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. I actually would love to see Michael Mann's Pain and Gain as well. I'm not Do you know lie. that I haven't seen Miami Vice yet? Oh, that's so disappointing. You should. Miami Vice is a masterpiece. I'm aware... Uh, that is an opinion that is shared amongst many people, including many I trust. Absolutely. You should watch it. Um, but back to this movie. Yes. Um, so Daniel Lugo um, hooked up with some one fellow bodybuilder whose name was Adrian Dorball, played by Anthony Mackie, and an ex-convict who is also like a hyper-religious Christian and a bodybuilder, Paul Doyle, who's played by... Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and uh, the three of them team up to kidnap and extort Victor Kershaw. Which is uh, not his real name. No, not at all, because, you know, names have to be changed to protect the, the innocent. Quote unquote innocent. Uh, <laughs> because, like. Are, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. T- time on one. Are you saying that the moneyed are often sketchy even though they get robbed? Yes, I am. Huh. I that? know what what is this world we live in where black and white aren't the only things that exist um <laughs> but yeah that's played by tony shaloub tony Sh- the bench in this movie is fucking deep bud yeah no it's it's a great cast can i can i just run it down really quickly hit me okay so you've got your main three but you've also got tony shaloub rob cordry rebel wilson ken jeong and peter stormare 
And you know who makes a fucking who know who just kind of shows up in the story about halfway through? Ed Harris, who is honestly, I don't want to say he's like one mm-hmm. of my favorite parts of this, but he definitely is. There's like an effortlessness to just Ed Harris performing. Yeah, definitely. It's like you have you seen Night Riders, the George Romero film? I haven't. It's so fucking good, and that's like Ed Harris's like first big role, like in the lead, mm-hmm. and it's like schools everybody it's like a master class in like rumpled masculinity i'm kind of into that it's supremely dorky as well because it is a movie about a traveling band of motorcycle jousters Mm -hmm. but it's really good i'm sold (laughs) so so marky mark uh the rock and anthony mackie anthony mackie doesn't get a whole lot to do in this movie other than just kind of vamp yeah and uh, the rock well i mean i mean he's the rock He's, he's like I just I find him so entertaining when he's diving into like the weird idiosyncrasies of a good character. Like he gets he has an arc. Like I, I like I smell what the rock is cooking. Character development. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I mean you say that but you're I laughing hate that because I laughed that. at that. Um <laughs> This was basically, this is like a joke role, basically. Oh, it's this, it's this guy who finds Jesus in prison and then basically finds drugs and then goes back to prison. Yep. And, you know. And then finds Jesus again. And then finds Jesus again. The Rock is not one to do things by halves. And no, it's like a very, I don't, I don't think it's like a subtle portrayal or, a, or like a, a, a sensitive portrayal because nothing about this movie is either of those things. Yeah. But it's 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 kind of a rollicking fun thing to watch. Well, I don't think I mean I'm like I hate to generalize a performer, but like I don't think The Rock will ever do subtle and heartfelt emotional performance. I think it's... The Rock has heartfelt in him. I don't know if he can do like I don't think he has a on the like on the waterfront in him. Yeah, like he's a broad comedy performer, and I think that's what he does best. I mean, like even Southland Tales, it's like his performance is very funny. This, he's very funny. All of his popular movies are. It's like he leans in hard on the comedy and physical acting. I mean, but that's also kind of like wrestling naturally because that's where he's from. It's like it's it's very broad. And uh, exaggerated. It, it, well, yeah. I mean, you, you have to you have to play to the back. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like it's like theater, but with punches. Um, the thing with uh, The Rock specifically is that he never, not that he didn't get over as a face or a good guy in wrestling, but he got really popular because he started playing an asshole, just yelling at people and you know calling them things that I wouldn't repeat now because the 1990s were a different time. Yeah. But. Um, no, The Rock, I think, is a very emotional performer. I don't think he can rein it in to do something super subtle, but I do think he can definitely parlay that strength into something that's fun to watch. And eventually, when that time comes, because uh, because the Sandman comes for all people, uh, you know, he's going to be like 50-ish and he's going to... I can't wait to see the movies The Rock is going to make when he's in his 50s, you know? Yeah, I can vibe with that. <laughs> Who's your MVP in this movie? I mean, it's like I don't like saying it's Marky Mark because I think Marky Mark is a piece of shit, but like... Mark Wahlberg is a reprehensible human being, but he's pretty good in this movie. Yeah. No, he definitely is. It's like you can't say he's not. 
Um, but in fairness, a lot of things in this movie are still reprehensible, oh, even man. though that it's like, I, so this is an interesting <laughs> conversation for me because I would like to, I mean, do you think that even though it is a depiction of all of these things, do you not feel like it occasionally feels like it is made by someone who agrees with all of these things? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, obviously, there's my bias. Like, I'm like, the thing with watching movies about disreputable things is that I get to make the final call. Yeah. Or the viewer gets to make the final call. Like, like I said earlier, I don't know if Michael Bay is directing this film as a tacit endorsement of toxic masculinity. Uh, Not necessarily the toxic masculinity aspect of it. I think maybe he's attempting to be critical of that. I just, I mean... Are you talking more about the uh, the materialistic aspect of it? No, I'm talking more about the fact that I think Michael Bay has a lot of issues with, like, let's go down the long list of people. That oh, shit, we had it in the Slack, didn't it? Hold on, let me pull that up. It's, I mean, it's like fat people, gay people, Jewish people, women, black people. Little people. Little people. It's a long <laughs> list, and, like, it's not like we've only seen one of his movies where this is a problem. It's kind of a main through line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you saw Bad Boys too. Will Smith threatens a kid with prison rape at one point. Yep. So this comes back to a whole depiction versus endorsement thing. I think that Michael Bay has a shitty sense of humor. Fair. But like his like gags generally are really bad. Like his sense of like gaggery is like horseshit. Yeah. It's like frat. It's like frat level. But the thing with Pain and Gain is that there's a lot of character moments in it. That don't really involve gags. And I think that's why this movie comes out better than... Or at least from a uh, from an ism perspective. This movie comes out a lot better than a bunch of other movies. Even though they do refer to the uh, warehouse of sex toys as homo stuff. Yep. I'm looking at a lot of homo stuff right now. And again, I'm not saying that like this isn't absolutely how this would have played out in real life. <laughs> because like because everyone's a dickhead in this movie everybody sucks in this movie but otherwise the movie doesn't work yeah no i agree i absolutely agree i just it uh, what do we talk about when we talk about michael bay i mean uh, i know this movie has to be excessive in every single regard pretty much because if not it doesn't work like if there's not someone snorting cocaine off someone's ass why am I watching this? Why movie? am I even watching this? Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> like, did the super of the sleazy motel have to be a little person? Yeah, like that. That's just purely like, and I mean, the only reason that it was is because you get like the gag of like the rock choking him out on a door, and then the feet leaving the ground. Right. That's literally it. That's that's the it. Gag. That's the, literally the only reason. Although, I mean, to be fair, Rebel Wilson doesn't get the the, the doesn't get the shittiest treatment in this film no she doesn't but her whole gag is just like i'm into black men yeah like and then the bit the bit is also flipped with that whole uh pep talk that uh, mark Wahlberg gives anthony mackie yeah which you loved incidentally i know i do think (laughs) she has one great line um that's like really subtle and like is like or not subtle but like it's just like it's played for like a low low tone like it played at a low tone and just not like you can tell it's not something that everyone's gonna catch but it was like 
her talking about her grandfather and she's like he's dead now from racism racism, but like she says it so quickly that she just changes no it was a cement truck and i'm just like oh like that's a really good line like that's a really good joke like that's kind of self like it's it's self-aware enough to the point where i'm like okay well like somebody writing this movie really does actually i want to say that that was a rebel wilson ad lib right like it feels like it it feels almost too out of place in this movie (laughs) it feels out of place in that speech because not three lines earlier she refers to anthony mackie who she is marrying at that point as her fresh prince of bel-air yeah and i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you like this movie's jokes are not (laughs) no the 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 thing like for all the 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 sexism the racism the homophobia the literal worst thing about michael bay films are the attempts at humor yeah oh god yeah i mean let's not talk about leads to all the other stuff yeah because transformers 2 is a shit show in regards to that I am still a Transformers virgin. Oh. I've not seen any of those movies. I mean, you've made a choice with your life, and it's probably the right one. I keep hearing Transformers 2 is this monumental, ghastly film. Yeah. It's not great. Um, but I have seen Bad Boys 2. Yeah, also not great. Um, mm. But but here's the thing, <laughs> and, I, and this kind of flows into this movie, it's this technically dazzling gift, just but it's also married to this puerile sensibility. I agree. And I was actually going, I would like, I mean, I think. You know who else operates in this vein? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how well he'd appreciate being spoken in the same sentence as Michael Bay. Oh boy. Nicholas Winding Refn works in this same vernacular, just a little more European and a little, little artsier. But it's the same basic vernacular of these technical gifts and this puerile sense of pretty much everything else. Hmm. 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 I guess if I get a hmm, that's probably a hot take. So I guess I should preface it by saying that it's a hot take. I'm, I'm, I get where you are coming from. I think I disagree in terms of like, I think their humor is far too different to make that comparison. No, no, they don't, they don't have the same sense of humor. I think they both have an abrasive sense of humor. It's not the same sense of humor. I think they're both different kinds of abrasive, like Bayes is fratty. And uh, references is a lot more dark. I guess. I mean, I get what you're saying. I think I understand. I just... It's hard to... I mean, you could disagree with me. I mean, I'm not gonna fucking cry if you start disagreeing no, with, this, with this take that I have. I mean, I get it. I think they're both, obviously... They both have their technical prowess, but they both have their childish attitudes towards depicting certain things. I mean... I mean, Refn doesn't have the greatest uh, uh, track uh, track record with women either. Oh, God, no. Although, I mean, I'll stand by Neon Demon to my very death. See, that's the thing. Ne- Neon Demon, to me, is the L.A. version of, like, Bad Boys 2 or Pain and Gain. But instead of, like, the American Dream but with and bodybuilders, it's the American Dream but models. Yeah, true. Which I guess is more my aesthetic. Uh... Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose so. I will say, speaking to Michael Bay's technical charms, I guess, yes. I think some of the best scenes in this movie are when action is happening. Oh, no doubt. I mean, like, the chase scene with, um, what's his name? Uh, The Rock through basically, like, all of Biscayne is, like, a fucking delight. Like, yes, yeah. it has a way too much cutting. Yeah, it has some really special effects, like, really 
silly special effects and like the toe and stuff, which like is all part of him being fucking childish. Yeah, but, like, I mean, there's a fish that gets shot. Yeah, like it's fucking I mean, dumb. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. That exact reaction we had is exactly it. Yeah, it's so dumb, but ha 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 ha. Yeah, you know? but it's fun. Like it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty fun. It's like um. It's, it reminds me of uh, a thing that Cam Collins said about Three Billboards. He said Martin McDonough was having fun with things he shouldn't be having fun with. And I feel like this is kind of that same thing where Michael Bay is having fun with shit he shouldn't be having fun with. I guess. I mean, I <laughs> we're not going to get into Martin McDonough because that's a whole different wheelhouse at this moment. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe we should just go back to In Bruges. Everyone likes In Bruges, right? Everyone loves In Bruges. In Bruges a good is a ass, great fucking movie. That's a good-ass movie. Because he stayed in his fucking wheelhouse. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, no, we're not going to get into a Martin McDonough conversation on our Michael Bay pod. That's not no, going to No, we are happen. not. We already have discussions of race enough in this movie. Oh, uh, <laughs> Lord. Oh, man. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, this is a 100% discourse-free podcast. <laughs> is it? Sometimes it's not. I mean, our next one will be heavy on that. But anyway. But, like, a lot of the best scenes in this movie for me, because I do think this movie has problems with pacing, because as we were talking about him being way too excessive, this movie does not need to be over two hours long. I think it's at, at its best when it's like, cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. It's like, yeah, give me those hits. Give me those highs. And one of my favorite bits is when um, <laughs> they're all at Anthony Mackie's house and the camera is just kind of like moving through the house and it's like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, Anthony Mackie, and this like porn mogul's wife with giant fake tits just like dancing and doing push-ups and like freaking out about something they heard in the other room. And then it's Marky Mark basically, like, yelling at a guy and then, quote-unquote, accidentally killing him. Uh, I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that uh, scene so much. God, it's so it's so scummy. It's so sleazy. It's so skeezy. It's not sleazy with an L. It's skeezy with a K. It is, but, like, it's fun skeezy. I mean, they're, they're so bumbling. The scene when they try to, like fake an accident where tony shalhoub like like they have tony shalhoub and they try to fake it so that he got drunk and drove his car into into a backhoe and they fail at killing him and it's like it's it's just this 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 carnival of failure and it is but it's such (laughs) it's such a testament to incompetence and i love it i love it because of that they're so incompetent but i love watching people fail (laughs) <laughs> oh man so you must love doing this podcast oh wow mm. self-burn i hate yeah, that hurts yeah, yeah. <laughs> jesus god i like <laughs> i'm done talking about this movie now thanks all right i'm i'm broken inside <laughs> oh no ouch you know what it's okay i'll put on everybody dance now and it's all gonna be good oh man that's such a fucking banger the tits come back as like a as like a, a prop as like a punchline as evidence. Yeah, yeah. it's golden. I love oh, it. Lord, art pop. The the, the Lady Gaga album. Yes. <laughs> but 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 why? Why not? Oh, I just man. like saying art pop whenever something's <laughs> ridiculous but fun. I mean, which is exactly I mean, what that album is, frankly. Well, also, it's kind of what Pain and Gain is, which yeah. is. 
kind of an outlier in the Michael Bay filmography in that this is not really it's not really an effects movie and it's not even though it has action set pieces in it this is a lot more of a character film yeah than anything homeboy has done before with possible exception of the rock yeah and armageddon which are both character movies but i mean those are those are effects movies that's not yeah i mean one's one set pieces one has like one of the great uh, san francisco car chases not in bullet and the other one, well, is the giant asteroid blow him up movie, right? Yeah. So I think this is probably his best character film as far as like that goes. Um, but it's also through and through just this fratty, puerile, disgusting film. But it gets to like a, a kind of termitic truth, however unsubtly and however obvious that truth might be. Because this is another thing. Not everyone who sees a Michael Bay movie goes into it thinking oh have i ever questioned the american dream have ever have i ever thought about the the uh, ramifications of just constant chasing of this ideal where i may have already lost where i may just not ever really get through by the sheer force of societal uh, forces that i don't see or often acknowledge mm-hmm. so i mean i don't want to get ahead of ourselves I mean, I, I'm talking as if we're done talking about the movie. I mean, is there anything else you'd like to discuss specifically about the movie? Um, there are fewer tits in this movie than I had anticipated. Uh, <laughs> and a, and uh, about as many uh, loving shots of women's asses, because that's a thing, I guess. I mean, yeah. I'm, I mean, do you not appreciate ass? I mean, <laughs> um, Michael Bay, and I guess this is a credit to him, Makes me feel scummy for liking women's posteriors. Okay, fair. It makes me feel super gross Absolutely when it happens fair. in his movies. <laughs> I mean, the man opened one of his movies with like a tracking shot of an ass. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like fair. That's such that's such a tough needle to thread, though, right? Because a lot of the people in this movie are very attractive, but since this is a Michael Bay film, it's shot in such a way that makes everything look like it has that extra little layer of filth on it. Yeah, it's that, God, that, like, high contrast and, like, very sunny world. It's like, yeah, it's very Miami. Yeah, it's also, like, it makes it skeezier somehow. Because this is, like, an interesting discussion. I don't know if this is the movie to have it on, but, like, like actors and actresses, like, part of their thing is, like, they're attractive. They're photogenic, right? Yeah. And But there's no way to, like... I mean, it's very, very easy to start talking about it and come off as a salivating douchebag. Yes. So, like, I'm very, 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 very hesitant to be like, oh, this actor, this actress in this role is super, is super attractive because that's, I mean, I mean, she's a, 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 an actress. Yes. It's kind of part of the job. And it's, it's just a really tough needle to thread. And especially when you're talking about a Michael Bay film. Which is... I mean, part of the point is hypersexualization of these people. Yeah, yeah, hyper hyper normal sexualization or yeah. something. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean, what a way I to mean, come down from this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, hey, asshole! You think women are attractive? Well, have a look at this and feel bad about it. Yeah, that really is Michael Bay's mo. I'm kind of fascinated by that. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, this kind of extends to like exploitation film. There's a lot of exploitation films. The, the skillful ones, the knowing ones, like, they titillate you and then they punish you for it almost immediately. Yes. Although I don't think that's what his intent is. Oh, hell no. 
I mean, that's just that's just my own personal guilt that does yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, his intent is basically the equivalent of like, I'm going to make this girl wash this car and I'm going to throw the water and the suds onto her mostly open shirt and bikini top. And you're going to enjoy it, motherfucker, while I stand here doing it. And you're watching. Oh, the the fucking the fucking uh, the fucking uh, neighborhood watch meeting. Oh my god, where they need. Oh god, it's so. Uh. It's it's uh, it's this perfect encapsulation of everything. Like like I know why he's doing it, but that he's doing it is like, oh, why are you doing this? Like yeah. I know why, but we kind of got the point already. Yeah, it's not great. Um, it's literally yeah. just like every single dude in the neighborhood salivating over Marky Mark's ex slash woman that he gifted to the rock. And just, yeah, just the offhand way he says, so who wants to play a rapist? It's like, Oh my God, you can't say that shit. Yeah. Not as a, not as a gag. No. I mean, but it's Michael Bay, so he can do it. It is Michael Bay. I Uh, guess so. (laughs) So Derek. Yes. Um, is this a fresh movie for you or a rotten movie for you? See, here's the thing. I literally spent the last five minutes going, this movie portrays <laughs> women in a hypersexualized light and there's a giant there's a giant rape joke in the middle of it. But it's <laughs> like I said at the top, it's vile and disgusting, but it also gets to like a kind of nasty truth. It's kind of this this perfect, horrible beast of a film. And there's not an ounce of endorsement in it at least i can not that i can find no not that that matters really but i don't think there is but yeah i but i do think this is a fresh film i do think it's super unsubtle and super nasty but it's kind of an enthralling crime film it has a very contagious rollicking energy and it is colossally excessive and again michael bay is having fun with stuff he shouldn't be having fun with but it is fun so that's where I'll leave it. Yeah. Okay. So fresh. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I'll stick with uh, fresh as well, even though I have my reservations about it. Mostly its pacing is a little off. And I think, um, you know, I question some of its humor. But again, Oh, I question a lot of its humor. I yeah. question most of its humor. Like, I don't think it's a... I think it's a very fun movie. I think it's one of my preferred Michael Bay movies. And I think it's up there. Yeah. And it'll always remain that way um so yeah go go us that was my movie that i picked so that means you get to go first for recommendation my recommendation for this week is a movie that is probably very hated and also very loved (laughs) by like a minor part of the film community i guess which Uh, is i think which i think is in flavor for us since we are a podcast that covers polarizing films yes i know i'm trying to maintain my themes here um, and my crossover point is Dwayne The Rock Johnson in one of his earlier roles that I mentioned. And it is the one, the only Richard Kelly's Southland Tales, mm-hmm. which is so fucking good. And people do not give that movie as much credit as it deserves because, yes, it is a flawed, ridiculous, ambitious movie. But it's so interesting and it's so good. And I love all of the performances in it, and it is a movie that has a surprise random musical number to uh, the killers' all these things that I have done 
smack in the middle of it and it's i keep forgetting that that movie is that recent yeah no it is it's like 2006 maybe i mean listen everybody eats donnie darko's ass and it's like no it's like southland tales is where it's at and also the box you know i wasn't crazy about the box i didn't see southland tales which was 2006 you're correct yeah and i didn't like donnie darko and i saw donnie darko is fine I just think everyone's like, oh my god, it's one of the best movies ever, or oh my god, it's one of the worst movies ever, and it's like, no, it's like, it's a pretty cool movie. Like, I saw it in the prime time when I would have been, like, like one of the evangelists for that film, like, when I was, like, 17, Yeah, and it did shit all for me. I think it's a cool fucking movie. I think it's, again, it's not great, but it's a cool fucking movie, and I think Richard Kelly is just such an interesting filmmaker who's making all these, like weird little i mean not not southland tales certainly isn't a little movie it's far more ambitious than (laughs) anyone should attempt for their second movie but like like a nearly three hours 17 million dollar uh science fiction comedy drama thriller everything yeah yeah (laughs) um but i genuinely think it's like i think he's such an interesting filmmaker and it's kind of a shame that he hasn't made anything in like 10 years um and yeah, so watch Southland Tales, and somebody with a lot of money, if you're magically listening to this, like, give Richard Kelly money to make another movie. Give Richard Stanley money to make another movie. Give every, apparently, Richard who works in sci-fi that makes good movies money. <laughs> so I'm going to go with something that has two points of connection. Uh, a movie that's directed by Michael Bay, but that also stars Ed Harris. And it's oh going my. to be The Rock. I'm uh, so shocked. Starring also Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. Um, go see Mandy. Um, yes, go see Mandy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the Rock is like this perfect... I think it's the the point in time when 80s action movies meet 90s action movies. Yeah. Because it's, cause it's like a Simpson-Bruckheimer joint, but it's got this kind of... Like, this is... The point in Sean Connery's career where he's being cast specifically because he used to be James Bond. Yeah, absolutely. It's also just a phenomenal action movie, a phenomenal crime film. It has one of the great car chases uh, in San Francisco, no less. uh, Home of the other great uh, San Francisco car chase, Bullet. But I'm not recommending Bullet. I'm recommending The Rock. I'm into it. I don't think I've ever actually seen The Rock in its entirety now that I think about it. That's a great movie. I think it's one of the two bays that's in the Criterion Collection, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Mm, gotta get my hands on that, I think. So we've come to the end of the show, JB. Um, so you have something on the docket for the next episode. I do. My choice is actually a movie that I had never heard of before I was looking down the 50% list. And I'm actually a little bitter I had never heard of it because it's so obscenely up my alley. Um, it's the last film George Cooker ever directed, and it stars uh, Jacqueline Bissett and Candice Bergen. Murphy Brown herself. I know. Oh, I love it. Um, which I'm not <laughs> looking forward to that reboot of that show, but whatever. It's... They're rebooting Murphy Brown? Yeah. Wow. Geez, you're really running out of ideas, aren't you? Yeah, no shit. Ooh. Uh, welcome to America. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is called Rich and Famous. Rich and Famous. Yeah. From 1981, late in the great George Cougar's career. Well, the last, last film, movie. the last one. Yeah. <laughs> ah, man. So, so yeah. uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, so, plug time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juan and I run a website called Dim the House Lights. You can find it at dimthehouselights.com. 
Uh, there you will find all manner of film criticism, including uh, a large uh, series of reviews that we wrote for the Fantasia Film Festival, which happened in July and August of this year. Um, I was fortunate enough to see the Panos Cosmatos film Mandy. So which, good. Spoiler alert is fucking fantastic. And when that shit hits wide release, which should be in a couple weeks, I think, mm-hmm. go see it. Give it all your money. Um, and also, you can give money to us. Um, I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, we don't have a, we don't necessarily have our, our 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 PayPal deets out in the out in the world, but you know, you can get a hold of us. Yeah, hit me up. I'll accept yeah. all cash, credit, Venmo, PayPal. Oh, uh, we don't have Venmo in Canada, but I'll take your PayPal. Um, <laughs> you can well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's. Uh, me at Derek underscore G and uh, Juan at Whoa, it's Juanito. Then you can just slide into our DMs and give us money. Um, we're also on Letterboxd at the same handles. Juan writes for the Miami New Times. Did you, did you just drop a thing that was big? Oh, yeah, you dropped an interview with uh, Jack uh, with uh, Josephine Decker, director of Madeline's Madeline. Yes, I dropped an interview with Josephine Decker, and I got a chance to actually write a full film review this month, which was nice. About um, Masaki Yuasa's uh, Night is Short Walk-On Girl. Which, not, not not to brag, but I saw Fantasia last year. I know, I hate you, but it's so good. It's very good. It's a very good film. And uh, as for me, uh, you can follow all of my goings-on at DerekGodank.com. Pretty much everything I do is, uh, is, is findable there. And I believe that's it. I mean, I was kind of, I put a little jazz on the plugs this time. Yeah, I know. I loved it. We had fun. A lot, a lot more uh, uh, inviting people to give us money. And you know what else you can give us? You can give us a five-star review on iTunes. Love you can it. put a little comment there. You know, I mean, that helps us out. I mean, we're such a small podcast that even if one of us does it, it makes a difference. Exactly. Tell us you enjoy us. Thank you. So, uh, in the words of the great Freddie Mercury, let us entertain you. Because, you know, who doesn't like to be entertained? Yeah, boy. So, I think that's it. And we're going to sign off. Uh, Juan, we're going to continue with the next episode of the recording session, but for you guys out there in podcast land, we will see you in two weeks. See ya.